What's up, Dolphins fans? This is your host, Kyle Krabs, here on another episode of Locked on Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, December 1st, 2021. It is almost week 13 of the 2021 NFL season. And we're going to be joined today by our dear friend Joe Rose. And we also had some news that came out that I thought was relevant enough for us to push back our our film observation uh, from the Carolina Panthers game, uh, given the weight of this news uh, for the Miami Dolphins in Week 13 against the New York Giants. What is it? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? This is your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. And today on the show, Joe Rose joins me for about 30 minutes of excellent conversation pertaining to the Miami Dolphins. But the big news, and I'm sure Joe will not be offended by me saying he is not the big news, but the big news uh, today broke yesterday, courtesy of Tom Pelissero of NFL Network, and that is that the New York Giants starting quarterback, Daniel Jones, is not going to be, is not expected to be active in week 13 against the Dolphins, and instead the Dolphins are going to be facing an offense quarterbacked by Mike Glennon. This is, of course, very big news. Uh, and and beyond just the fact that it's a different quarterback in this offense, right? The, I mean, the Giants fired Jason Garrett, their offensive coordinator, a few weeks ago. So this is already an offensive unit that is in the midst of change, and now you're going to be introducing a veteran quarterback into this environment. And this is a big deal. Uh, this is a very big deal, and, and we're going to talk a little bit early on today about those dynamics. I want to thank you guys for listening to Locked on Dolphins, making it your first uh, Dolphins listen of the day. But Mike Glennon, let's start. Let, let's let's get into it here. Mike Glennon this season has attempted 25 passes. He was 16 of 25 for 196 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions in a 20 to 44 loss at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he also had a fumble in that contest as well. He ended up playing 57% of the offensive snaps. Mike Glennon, since 2018, has started five games in the NFL. He is 0-5. Mike Glennon, since 2015, has started nine games in the NFL. He is 1-8. Mike Glennon, since 2014, the beginning of that season, in which was his second season in the NFL, Mike Glennon has started, not a math guy, 14 games. He is 2-12 and 12 in the NFL since 2014 as a starting quarterback. So that was the big question I had got was, Kyle, is this good news or bad news that you're not facing Daniel Jones? I will say this for Daniel Jones. Turnovers have been a problem for Daniel Jones, but at the very least, Daniel Jones is also a plus athlete, and he throws a really nice deep ball. And if you're going to play zero coverage against somebody, throwing it against a guy who can lay him out there, downfield and can hit some big throws 
is a recipe for some trouble. It's what Carolina couldn't do with Cam Newton early on because anytime Cam Newton has to make an accurate throw, he puts it into a different section of the stadium. That The deep shot would not have necessarily been the case for Daniel Jones. For Mike Glennon, this is a big, big advantage for the Miami Dolphins going into this contest. Now, of course, let's not take the cheese. Let's not feel ourselves too much. Um, But this is a reason to get excited and perked up regarding what Miami's odds of a win on Sunday are going to look like. This is a Giants team that, since their bye week, has scored 23 points in two games. Now, they won last week against Philadelphia, 13-7. to They forced four turnovers against the Eagles. They forced three turnovers the week before the bye when they won against the Raiders. But the stretch of play offensively for the Giants... Let's start week six, Sunday, October 17th, 261 yards of offense, 11 points, 302 yards of offense, 25 points against Carolina, 300 yards of offense, 17 points at Kansas City, 247 yards of offense, 23 points against the Raiders. 215 yards of offense, 10 points against the Buccaneers, 264 yards of offense, 13 points against the Philadelphia Eagles. You think the Dolphins offense has some problems? You think the Dolphins offense at times looks ugly? This Giants offense with Daniel Jones, no less, not the backup quarterback, is averaging less than 265 yards of offense over their last six contests. From a point-scored perspective, they are averaging 16.3 points per game over their last six contests since Daniel Jones resumed full-time play in the starting lineup. Now, let's all acknowledge that the Dolphins, I mean, they played an extra game in this stretch, and let's acknowledge that they played teams like Jacksonville and the New York Jets and the Houston Texans, and that's fine. But over the same stretch of time, for all of the maligned opinions out there about the Dolphins' offense, Daniel Jones, by the way, the third leading rusher on the Giants' team thus far this season, is averaging 346 yards of offense per game in their last seven since week six against Jacksonville. Almost 100 yards more per game than what the New York Giants have done over their last six. Now, Miami, from a point-scored perspective, obviously coming off a season-high 33 points, they are averaging 22.1 points per game since week six. Significant advantages, and that is with the Giants having their two-way threat at quarterback, who is... uh, one of their leading rushers in addition to their best option in the passing game. I'm not saying all of this to sell rainbows and butterflies, but I do think we need to acknowledge the Giants' defense relative to Miami's defense after a disastrous start to the year for Miami. 
is in a lot worse shape right now than what Miami's is. And now you are significantly reducing the impact of, of the play of the quarterback. And you're at home, and you have a defense that is playing at a very high level right now against a quarterback who has won two games as a starter in the NFL since the start of the 2014 season. Saddle up, strap up, get your head on right. Expectations should be high. Now, the players, they can't just expect to show up and take care of business, but expectations from our perspective, based on the way that this team has played, should be high. Rightfully so. BetOnline has you covered for all the football season with props, odds, and lines more than ever before and remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season, head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC. Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. We're going to go ahead and start our segment here with Mr. Joe Rose making a triumphant return to Locked on Dolphins. Hope you guys enjoy. Next on Locked on Dolphins, we are joined by a good friend of the program, somebody we haven't had a chance to speak to in a couple of weeks. And I have to imagine the energy is going to be a little more peppy than the last time we spoke, uh, Joe Rose is joining the program and, and Locked On Dolphins listeners absolutely love hearing from Joe. So I'm stoked to have you back on. Uh, Joe, happy, I, I guess we're running this on, on Wednesday afternoon. Happy Wednesday. And yeah. uh, how are things going, my man? We're, uh, we're doing a lot better. You know, it's, uh, I, I've never seen anything like it in all the years where we went through a seven-game losing streak and at times were terrible we, we were a really bad football team the Jacksonville thing for me was hitting rock bottom but uh, even coming back we were struggling the defense was starting to put it together in spurts but offensively the struggles and it was just then guys not playing and hurt and and then they got a they got an ugly win one of the ugliest wins I've ever seen matter of fact they, uh, against the Texans in that nine turnover football game but they got some confidence. They won a game and they kind of took it from there. And, um, and here we are, you know, knocking on the door with two New York wins at home with a bye week in between with a chance to get back to seven and seven and put you right back flirting. Now still a long way to go, but, but flirting by just getting back to 500. Hey, you can see at the end of the tunnel, there, there, there could be a, a playoff spot. So yeah, man, to get back to seven and, and seven, I sense it with the team. Um, I, I just felt the energy at the last game against Carolina people walking out after they put together w- one of the most complete games we've seen in a long, long time to the point where in the hell has this been? So, uh, yeah, it's been a lot better mood here in South Florida, at least for me and and the folks I'm around. So. I wanted to ask you about the bye week and, and you mentioned it's kind of sandwiched in between these two home games against the giants this upcoming weekend. And then the jets the week after uh, I had received a question earlier in the week from a fan and they wanted to know if I thought that the bye week was coming at a good time or a bad time based on how well they're playing right now. So we just kind of love to hear any insight that you have obviously being a part of 
some teams in which your flow and process is interrupted by a bye week. Yeah. What's your sense of, you know, they, they've strung together a couple wins. Uh, they're carrying momentum into the Giants game, and then they're going to have the bye week after that. How, what's your sense on how that timing is falling for Miami based on how they're playing right now? Yeah, listen, it's been a long season. You know, they didn't get the early bye week, obviously, when, when we're talking later in the season now. So I, I think it's good for everybody. I, I do. I think it'll be good for the coaching staff. Um, it'll give a couple of guys a few extra days to rest. You know, there'll be a lot of guys get a full week off just to, to do it and, and get rid of the bruises and the bumps, but still come in and get therapy and, and get training and, and all the things they need, treatments that they need. But um, I, I think it's fine. L- listen, the, the great news is you got the Jets when you come back. Um, it's been a long time since we've had a New York sandwich where you got the Giants on one side and the Jets on the other with, uh, with, with some time off. At home, all at home, you couldn't ask for anything better. You, you really couldn't. I'd rather play the Giants when we're playing them while we're on a roll. And then um, the Jets, I, I just, I like it. Probably going to face uh, a rookie quarterback. And you know what the game plan is going to be defensively with that young quarterback. So um, it's a good time. And they know it's at stake. They know they have a chance to get back to 500 with these games before, you know, we pick up the schedule. We got two out of three on the road, including a Monday night football game. And then, hey, listen, the last game of the season, um, the Patriots could be, we've seen it before down here late in the season, except it was Tom Brady playing for home field in a week off. So what? I mean, you don't need anything to get up for that game. It's going right. to be great. I've already convinced myself if they do climb back to seven and seven, the moment that game ends, if that does indeed happen, I'm booking my flight and I'm coming down for week 18 uh, for that Patriots game. Been so, telling you that, man, you got to come up and sit with us. <laughs> you can yell and scream and act like an idiot with the rest of us up there. It'd be great. Well, it'll be a couple of peas in a pod. Um, you know, one of the things, the storylines that we talked about early in the season, and it's been kind of a reflection of of the drafting in Miami over the course of the past uh, decade or so, or however you want to classify it, is finding rookies that come in and make an impact right away. And we didn't necessarily see it from some of these early guys in this year's class in the first six weeks of the season or so. Um, but wanted to get your updated thoughts on what you've seen as of late from Jalen Waddle and Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland, who are yeah. all playing a more much more prominent role and are making more impact plays than what we saw in the first six weeks or so. Yeah, I, I think it's been the growth um, of the three J's. It really has the three guys you just named. We call them the three J's. Um, and 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 the way this team, I, I've been saying it since the start of the season to be consistent and not be a complete phony that I am, and and that is the growth of this team getting better with all these draft picks from 2020 and 2021 had to grow up quickly. And if they were going to be slow developers, we were going to be in big trouble. And I think we saw that we were screaming here not too long ago about, are these guys going to do anything? They're getting blocked. They, there's nothing happening. And then all of a sudden I just feel like starting kind of with Javon Holland, the light kind of went on uh, Jalen Waddle stepped up and became the go-to guy instead of maybe the third or fourth receiver I didn't see this coming. He was going to be one of the most targeted players through three quarters of the season. Mm-hmm. Here he is now six in the, in the NFL in targets. And he's taken that number one job. And he's like, Hey, sorry, you veterans are hurt and stuff. And we're playing with a lot of tight ends, but, but I'm the one guy that can make a difference. 
and he's been kind of the go-to guy. He's been the guy that's making the plays and moving the chains and making tough catches. I think the thing that's impressed me the most, not to get away from this topic with the young guys, Jalen Waddle's ability to make tough catches in a crowd, go up and get the ball. He's not a big guy, but uh, he's tough, man, and he likes being that Alabama thing. You could tell, like, hey, being in, in the big lights, being the number one dog is no big deal to me. I've played with a bunch of those guys. I've been that guy, and I just sense it hasn't been too big for him. So, so that guy. And then, hey, Brandon Jones, we found a way to use Brandon Jones. Uh, listen, not a great coverage guy, not. But they find a way to play him where he can blitz, he can make tackles, he's a big hitter. Uh, and he's become a real impactful safety in that rotation with Eric Rowe and, and Javon Holland does it all. Mo one of the most complete young players, uh, hitting you, Roman, center field, one-on-one -on -one coverage, the, the break he got on the interception in the last game, and then his blitzing ability. But he hits like he's about 225, 230. I just think he's a complete, uh, you know, we go back to, do we get the running back? Oh, shoot, now we get the best safety on Chris Greer's board. It's a pretty good pick. Uh, not that they all have, but that was a pretty darn good pick. And then the other guy we haven't talked about is a guy from UM who the light went on and a combination of Josh Boyer using him the right way. And I think you really hit on it when you're on the radio show. Using him, uh, he, he he's rushing. He's blitzing and he's rushing. But he's rushing. He's not going backwards. Not very much. He knows he's in there to run games. He's got that great speed, and now he's got this confidence thing going. Um, always has been one of the most confident guys I've been around to the point, even when he wasn't practicing, I looked at him a couple of times at camp. He missed most of camp, and he yeah. was walking around, and I'm like, you're not even practicing as a rookie, and you got a little cockiness to you. It was good to see. He plays he knows how good he was. He's a five-star guy coming out. So he's been around this thing since he was a teenager. But uh, he's really turned it on, man. You you said it. Should have had four sacks in that game. The easiest one, he went over the top. The guy bent down. He went over the top of him and gave Christian Wilkins an, an easy one. But, well, I'll tell you what, they're playing well. But the improvement, all these guys, and we got to mention Tua Tungavailoa, too, has really played better than I even thought he would coming back from injury, to be honest. He's really turned it up without a lot of his weapons on the outside. Yeah, and, and that's kind of a sensible place for where I was hoping we were going to steer this conversation at some point, and that's two. And two is obviously a, a lightning rod within the fan base or people who <laughs> very staunchly believe in him and people who, who don't think that he has what it takes. And he's in the process of trying to showcase what he can do. And I wanted to ask you about the style of play in which the Dolphins are are playing right now, which there's there, there's a lot of quick game timing, obviously still a lot of RPOs, play action passes, but a lot of stuff within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And I just wanted your perspective, uh, if you had any, Joe, on kind of that style of play. If there's a glass ceiling that sits over top of that style of play, um, how effective, you know, I had a question, you know, how effective can the style of play that Miami's implemented over the course of the past couple of weeks be against like the elites in the yeah. NFL? So like, it's very all fine fair. and dandy when you're doing it against the jets, right. And Carolina yeah. was obviously a very well, highly regarded passing defense uh, that they scorched this past weekend. But you know, when you think about some of the elite coaches and the elite 
defensive units that have established themselves year over year. Uh, how effective can this, this offensive style be? Um, so, so what they're running right now with what they have is perfect. A lot of two tight end, even sometimes three tight ends, as, as you've seen, um, Waddle doesn't come off the field. We rotate the other receivers in and out. We've been rotating three running backs as well, trying to get everybody involved, doing a little bit. Um, and, and so we've seen that from, from the guys. So I, I like what they've been able to do, um, with this, but at some point, um, yeah. And by the way, I, I keep bringing it up, and I and I hope we get Devontae Parker, and I hope we get Will Fuller back, because what you're kind of talking about is at some point when you play the big boys, you got to be able to throw the ball down the field on the outside, not not just down the middle of the field, but when you get a one on one and nobody in the middle of the field where you can let it go, and hopefully your guy gets some separation on either a deep post running over the top or just a takeoff. You're going to be have to. You're going to have to make some of those throws. I think we've tried at times. I think a lot of it has to do with our offensive line. I mean, we're still on limited time with our front five. Um, they've done a good job. <clears throat> that, that's another reason I think we're running so much quick stuff. So we're not letting our quarterback get hit, and and those guys still got to get a lot better than they are right now. They've gotten a little better, but they got to get a, a lot better. But yeah, I, I think in a perfect world, like to see our veterans. We really need Devontae Parker back. Whatever you think of Devontae Parker and the ongoing hamstring, we really need to see him healthy for the last four or five games. Again, it, it looks like it's 50-50 going again this week, and we'll find out when they go back to, to practice here and see what the coach has to say. But but we need those veteran guys that are both making a lot of money on the outside to, to be a big part of this with Jalen Waddle. Yeah, it feels like this is a potential <clears> – <throat> redemption opportunity for Devonte because he missed three of the last four games of the season last year with Miami in this big stretch. And we kind of find ourselves in that, that similar situation, like, Hey man, it's do or die. So, you know, this is a guy who in Parker who uh, has spent a couple of weeks on IR and um, curious what your thoughts are about his, his long-term scope in Miami. Um, you know what? If you're sitting in the uh, tub, you can't make the club. I just rhymed it a little differently. But l listen, they want healthy guys. Everybody wants healthy guys. Hey, hey, you're a really good player when you play, but we need you to play. And all of a sudden, you missed a lot of games. Hey, Carolina's going to have to make that same decision with McCaffrey. All of a yeah. sudden, he's turned into glass. Not that he wants to. Ankle sprains. Um, pulled hamstring. He's now all of a sudden missed a ton of games. So just keeping it here with Devontae. Devontae's missed a lot of games going back to last year when we really could have used him when we are really shorthanded at wide receiver. Um, and they're looking for guys that are durable, just that, that can be out there. Good games, bad games, average games. You, you want to at least have your best players out there. And when they can't play and you can't depend on them, um, it, it's hard. It's, it's really, really hard. And right now, Two guys we were really counting on that you and I were excited about before this started was in a perfect world was Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, and Mr. Waddle in the middle there. And um, it's so far, it's just been, thank God, we have Jalen Waddle, who has turned out to be uh, just really played well, really, really played well, catches almost everything. So you, you mentioned can't make the club if you're in the tub. And there's two guys that I'm interested in kind of in a similar light. 
uh, who are playing quite a bit and are making an impact uh, one more consistently than the other. And it's our two premier free agents to be in Mike Gusecki on the offensive side of the football and yeah. Emmanuel Agba on the defensive side of the football. And we've heard some reports from Drew Rosenhaus uh, talking about how there's been ongoing conversations with Agba's camp and the Dolphins about potentially ironing out an extension. And then just when it looked like Mike Gusecki was going to get hot, he gets shut out against Baltimore. Uh, bounces back for five for 50 against the Jets. Uh, but then this past weekend was only targeted three times for 17 yards. And you know, is there writing on the wall here? Like, like what's your vibe on, on both of these guys and the roles that they have to play long-term as well? I, I think they'll make him an offer. I, I, I think there's going to be more money for him to be made in the open market. If, if, mm-hmm. you know, if they go that way, although they, they kind of mentioned, they, they can control him for another year um, through the new agreement and, and being able to, to sign him. Um, but that's a weird one. And the Ogba, listen, Ogba's played well. I know he's sitting, what, at six sacks right now, but he is, he's batted a lot of balls down. He's gotten a lot of pressures. Um, we haven't had a lot of those guys, you know? So um, I'd like to see him. I, I'd like to see Ogba. And this guy on the other side named Jalen Phillips with Van Ginkle in there, who's also really picked up his play. Yeah, he's turning a corner. I, I'm okay with that group. Van Ginkle's stats, unfortunately, don't show up, and he's made as much impact as anybody. And because the stat sheet and the sexy stats, he doesn't show up on, but he's playing his ass off right now. He really is. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich and decadent flavors, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat. And high in protein, you get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. With so many flavors to choose from, Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle holiday shoppers left and right. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going so throw one in your jacket or your purse you never know when you're going to need it because it's the season of peace and love don't bring your favorite built bar flavor at family parties people are so passionate about their favorite flavor they will fight for it and things will get out of hand right now you can go to built.com use promo code lock 15 and save 15 percent off your next order that's built.com promo code lock 15 to save 15 percent off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar yeah, I think that's that's been there's been a couple of guys who you look at their implementation and it feels like okay, like we we kind of got back to basics here and use these guys where it makes sense. And you're seeing less of Van Ginkle in coverage and zone drops and and it's him playing Good. forward and being the speed rusher. And um I don't know. What is your do you have any feeling? You know, we this is one of the big mysteries of the first eight weeks versus what we've seen since, and it's like is there any root causes that that you feel like contributed to playing Slow more, development? Yeah, or or making things harder than they had to be with some of these guys, and and trying to ask them maybe to do too much early in the season. I, I think you're on to it. I think we all agree. Everybody I talked to, including the, the the old teammates of mine that that are around the team too, think we got too cute, man. I, I think Liam Eikenberg's a great example. Um, Jalen Phillips, a great example. Uh, you ask guys to come in and you're going, we're going, you're going to be doing this and you're going to be doing that. We want you to try your left guard, but right tackle. And so he's going back and forth. And then all of a sudden one day 
we decide Austin Jackson can't play and uh, you're playing over there. Well, in fairness, the guy, and of course he's getting blasted because he's, he's not playing a high enough level. And I'm like, yeah, it's third position. He's only a rookie. He's only a, you know, a rookie and he's already. So, and, and Jalen Phillips watching him run around trying to cover guys. And I'm like, why he's a pass rusher. You want to, you want to flirt around have a guy, you know, do a zone blitz and fake blitz and then pull out occasionally where you think the ball is going to be thrown. I'm all for that. I had no problem with those, but let's, let's make no mistake about it. He was taken as the first pure pass rusher because he's a pure pass rusher. That's what he does. And everybody raved about his bend for a tall guy and, and uh, his makeup, his mental makeup is, is that of Jason Taylor, like chip on your shoulder. You, you might knock me down or uh, I'm going to show you because physically he just has so much talent. Listen, when Lamar Jackson thought he was going to run around him like he has every other defensive end and he ran him down, I was like, wow. And we see it every yeah. week because you're like, ah, the guy's a defensive end. I got him. And then next thing you know, he's shoving you out of bounds for, for a four-yard loss. Um, so, but, but yeah, I, I just wish we'd bring guys in. Whatever position you saw, by the way, we had camps. After, after the draft, we have these mini camps and it's and you sit down before that, before you take these guys and you decide where they're going to play. And you don't have three practices like we did a day. You got limited time for all this stuff. Put them where you think they can play. And I think they started doing that. Look, they're not touching this offensive line right now. They're like, all right, Austin Jackson inside. Um, Liam Eikenberg next to him at, at left tackle. We're going to keep it this way. And I think we're even seeing those guys, you know, still a little sloppy, but they're getting better. The slowest group to get better, but they're right. getting better. And, uh, you know, and I think the same thing. I think to start the season, poor Javon Holland had a lot on his plate. He had a lot on his plate. And now, you know, the light goes on differently. You, you talk to everybody and going back and talking to my teammates like, hey, so we don't just continue to just kill Chris Greer. How long did it take your light to come on? And, and everybody's got different lights. So I'm going, you know, actually, I wasn't comfortable till the second year about the fourth game. or, And then there's guys like Don McNeil and Dwight Stevenson from my draft class, got it day one, came in and were like, wow, that's what a first and second round pick looks like. First round pick came in day one, was our best cover corner, and the second pick's a Hall of Famer. So it's like those two Alabama guys, you know, and that's back when Bear had the – he had it loaded. And uh, and we got two of those guys. I'm not saying that happens all the time, right? Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't. It's been a slow developing group. It has. Both drafts have been – we still don't know about 2020, but the 2021 draft had been slow developing. But second half, um, guys, we're, we're not going to get any better till you guys grow because we got so many of you young guys. We got to play you. And I, I've been preaching this with all those high first, second, and third round picks. Not that they're all going to work out as we've seen so far. We've got some guys still aren't playing, but the guys that are playing are, you know, people are talking about Javon Holland being one of the best all around safeties in the game. And mm -hmm. you're going, yeah, that's what I want to see. People are talking about Waddle now. Um, it, it's just good to see you now, Jalen Phillips, you get three sacks in a game as a rookie, you get everybody's attention. And right. so it's good to see that. Hey man, you're a first round pick that kind of expected to see this. Welcome, you know, for the second half of the season. Let's go play. 
Last thing I wanted to ask you, and there's there's been a couple questions about guys on the roster and long-term forecasts for them, whether it's Devontae Parker or Mike Kosecki and Emmanuel Akba, but the name that you brought up here is a name who has taken a lot of heat from Dolphins fans and a lot of heat from Dolphins pundits and, and analysts. And that's yeah. that's Chris Greer, right? And, and you know, we, we've been talking about for the last couple of minutes, the, the flashes that we've seen and the, the growth and maturation of Tuatonga Valoa and Austin Jackson, at least having his place stabilized. He still has his down plays. He's still high variance as far as his outcomes, but it's not the egregious play that you saw at offensive tackle. And then this year's group with the early picks that they've had, how has your perception over the course of the past two months changed in regards yeah. to Chris Greer and what his resume looks like over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, very fair, by the way, and going to be a hot topic coming up here on the radio as mm-hmm. uh, some of his guys are getting better to help him. But, yeah, people have been really down on Chris Greer, the general manager. He got the two biggest drafts in the history of the franchise, right? We've gone through this, the five ones, the the four two, four second-round picks, and a, and a couple of third-round picks. Those, as you know, you're in the business. Those are quality picks that are important to building a team. Um, and the most important pick by far is the first one he had, and that was the high pick of Tua Tungavailoa, who I, I think we'd all agree. No question. To, in my mind, unless you've changed, the guy that was taken right after us has put up monster numbers in his first two seasons and looks like, he's going to be a franchise quarterback. They're, they're mm-hmm. not out there. They're not having this question. They're having about 10 or 12 cities again right now about do we have the right quarterback? Um, but this guy's getting better. He's improved a lot. Tua Tungavailoa is playing a lot better. Now the question is, is he a franchise quarterback? And, and not to cop out, I said it on the radio too, and everybody always wants it. Yes or no? I don't know yet. Don't know yet. Don't know yet. That's better. an okay I, answer to have. He's got 16 starts. I've seen him get a lot better. There's nobody, even including people that don't like Tua, um, that have to admit he's getting a lot better. Still worried about the injuries? Fair. Still worried, you know, his arm? Okay, but we can work around that arm. It's good enough to make most of the throws in the NFL. That That's not an issue. But I will tell you, just looking at I brought this up uh, this morning, Con. I wanted to bring it by you know, and get your opinion on this. So I see at least eight teams right now that clearly in the front office are already going, we got to get a quarterback next year. In a quarterback class, as you know, you study it, that's not one of the best we've had in college football coming out, unless you've changed your thoughts on that. And we got a handful of guys in Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and the unknown of the unknown man, Aaron Rodgers. Um, There's going to be a shortage of quarterbacks is what I'm kind of saying next year. I don't know how many of those guys are going in the first round or how many of you feel have a chance to go in the first round right now, but you might be reaching if you are. I'm not so sure right now the way things are with the legal issues of one guy still don't look like they're any closer. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if Tua continues to play the way he is that he's not our starting quarterback coming back for a third year. Do you agree? I do. Yeah, I I think – you know, if we get to the end of the season here and the quarterback rating still around 95 or better, and I know that's a very arbitrary number, but the efficiency is there. His yards per attempt is up a full yard from last season, 6.3 to 7.3. 
Uh, his adjusted yards per attempt, which, which factors in sacks and throwaways, it's up almost a full yard from 6.2 to 7. So the efficiencies as a passer are getting a lot better, and you're seeing continued growth and confidence in him. And I think the explosive plays over the last three weeks have been really, really nice to see. And if we do get to the end of the year over the course of, of the final, what is it, five games that are left to be played, and he continues this stretch of play where uh, – He's putting up healthy yards and he's protecting the football and he's still avoiding sacks. The cost that's going to be associated with the scarcity in the quarterback market this year is going to result, first of all, in Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. And if Deshaun Watson is uh, cleared of, of his legal issues and is available to play, uh, those prices are going to be astronomical because teams are going to look at these rookies and say, well, I can spend one first round pick on Joe Schmo or Matt Corral or Carson Strong or Malik Willis and not really feel good about what I'm getting and probably not know for three years, or I can just take three ones and, and go get a guy who I know is capable of playing at an all pro level. And the more, the bigger that market is, um, the scarier that proposition is going to be. So I think that's why it's important for Tua continue to play strong so that the Dolphins can feel confident and comfortable with working with you going forward, because then the opportunity costs, right. you can take all those assets. And I don't want to spend them all on draft picks either. Like let's do what the Arizona Cardinals did and draft a trade a three for Rodney Hudson, who might be the best center in football and help your offensive line that way. And just be comfortable. Hey, this guy's 29, 30 years old. He's going to be $10 million per season but we're guaranteeing we're getting one of the best centers in football for a third round pick when the other opportunities are guys like Hunter long, who by no fault of his own is not dressing right now because they, you know, he played this past weekend because of the injury to Sheen, but they they're carrying five tight ends and he's fifth because he doesn't play teams like Seathan Carter does. And that's, that's the other investment that's, opportunity um, you're going to have with the three. That's a head scratcher taking that pick to be a fifth string, a third, a third round guy who's a good pass receiver coming out of college that's mostly not suiting up. Listen, we've had some misses, and we haven't done a very good job on the offensive line unless you happen to be, and some people are. It's just poor coaching. But they're going to go out and have to get some veteran guys. I totally yeah. agree. They're going to have to go out and get at least one veteran guy. Um, whoever decided this, we got our guys. And, again, at a full off season, we got a chance to see him. This was – you, you know, we'll see you when camp starts. They they, they got together. Um, it's not good enough. And it, and it held this team back. It, it And I, I think it hurt the whole team. So they're developing. It's been real slow, still way too inconsistent. Um, and, and so that, along with the quarterback and seeing what happens there, getting back to the Chris Greer, I mean, these are his picks. We can say – Brian Flores was involved and all that. Hey, man, you're the GM. You're the general manager. He's a head coach. I know titles. I don't know how they all work, but I do know titles. And uh, he's responsible. He's yeah. responsible. And now the owner has to decide going forward, and we'll see how it finishes over these the last five games. Um, but somebody's going to have to go either – all right, Chris, I, I saw enough in your draft picks and your quarterback. We're going to keep going or don't like you making picks. I, I'd like us to go back. This this upsets the, the organization a little bit. I think we need to go back and reevaluate scouts in every area 
how everybody, everybody, everybody should be, listen, man, the NFL is not for long, not just for players, for everybody. Everybody's responsible in the team, starting in finding the right guys, falling in love with the right guys, background checks, you know, everything, everything, everywhere. And if we've had a lot of guys here for a long period of time that have been doing it, um, we probably need to go back and uh, kind of look. It's not just loyalty and all that crap. Got to go back and go, hey, man, we got to look at some of your cards and what you had to say about guys. But at the end of the day, it still falls, all falls back on one guy because he can hire and fire. And that's Chris Greer. Fair? Yeah, I think it's more than fair. Like he knew. I said, Chris, man, told everybody, you got the two biggest drafts in the history of this franchise to get it flipped around real quickly. And you got to hit on whether it's fair or not. You know, people, well, Joe, he's not going to hit on everyone. I, I get it. There's going to be injury and some guy. And, and we haven't hit on every guy. Right. We got two guys that don't suit up most of the time. A, uh, a corner and Igbenogany and, and a tight end that doesn't suit up very much. But um, at the end of the day, he's responsible for the two biggest drafts in the history of this franchise. The most picks, the most quality picks, got a hit on him. And so the better these guys play, the more pressure that's off him sitting watching games. I can tell you that. Yeah. And he he's probably he probably enjoyed that game against Carolina quite a bit. Oh yeah. He was right <laughs> next to me. I could hear him in the booth. He enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah. He was uh he was going up. Do you agree with all that stuff, Kyle, or not? I or, no, I do. And at the end of or? at the end of the day, it's it's you having that title by extension is going to make you responsible. It's everything's going to be your responsibility, right? It's, it's no different than a coach who, if his assistant coaches aren't installing the game plan or executing or, or guys aren't developing from a uh, communications and understanding of what's supposed to happen, you're not coaching guys up. It might not, you might not directly be working with that player on a daily basis, but you as the head coach with you with that title, you're responsible for all of it. You got to wear all of it. And the same thing does work at the same way. Uh, with Chris Greer and, and every general manager in football. I absolutely do agree. And then the other part of this is our head coach is responsible for coaches getting the most out of players. And, and I, I, for people that love Chris Greer, that really, cause he's a really, really good guy. But the other side of it is, well, well Chris given him, you know, they got to coach him up and, you know, maybe, Hey, you got to go back and evaluate that. And if, yeah. If you got a position, offensive line, I know a lot of people aren't happy with the offensive line. You got to go back and evaluate your two offensive line coaches, the head guy and the assistant guy. How good are they? Are they teaching the right technique? Are we using them the right way? Um, all this stuff that, that I hear from former players that played all those positions and, you know, um, on this. Got a lot of guys fresh out of college within a couple of years that are coaching. Big time players at at positions of technique, really important pass rushers, wide receivers. There's there's a lot of guys where you need experience to help guys get better. You know, so that'll that'll be the big tightrope that I'm looking forward to to discussing with you as we go from here as we bring this thing to a close. Is how much of the status quo do you maintain because you don't want to continue to throw stones and shake it up? but how do you also evaluate what went right and what went wrong and yeah. what buttons you have to push? What changes are the appropriate changes, not just changes for the sake of changes? 
Yeah. Listen, you got some rolling right now. Again, it's late in the year. It's there is absolutely. And by the way, people keep saying, well, don't forget about seven losses. You're right. You can't. Some of yep. them were bad. That Jacksonville game should have never happened. Never. They had no idea how to win. They had won in so long. They had no idea. They had a fresh kicker, make some kicks, but should have never come down to that. And, and so, you know, that's the kind of stuff you, you got to evaluate the whole season. I don't want to hear anybody going, well, we're just evaluating the last six games. No, 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 no. 17, they all count. That's what makes the NFL right. and college football so special. It's not 82 games like, like hockey and, and basketball. It's not 162 like Major League Baseball. It's 16, now 17. They all count. Joe, this has been a great catch up. I'm, I'm so glad yeah, you man. carved some time out. We needed this. We needed us. this, man. Of course. Yeah, I can't call it group therapy anymore because we're we, we don't necessarily need the therapy now, but this may be a little hype session. So uh that's gonna do it for us on Locked On Dolphins. Kyle Krabs, Joe Rose. Uh Joe, thanks again for your time thanks, Kyle. and hope Thank to you, have brother. you back soon. Okay. You got it. Of course. Anytime.